everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogis. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I am Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogis. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. I'm joined today by Judy Holcomb-Williams, a certified change practitioner with progressive leadership experience in driving valuable, transformative change by strengthening people, process, and performance, and developing an approach for ongoing workplace reinvention that is more resilient to all types of disruptions. I'm also joined by Chris Dimming. Chris has a PhD in social anthropology. His interest is in how people form, negotiate, and mobilize interpersonal relationships, which is enabling him to apply those anthropological methods to emerging new ways of working. If you have any questions or comments or any suggestions for future podcasts, please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. All right. Hey, Judy. Hey, Chris. Welcome. Hey, Sandra. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, Sandra. Thanks for inviting us. We look forward to it. Yeah, very excited about having an opportunity to talk about the future of work and thinking about what the workplace will look like 2021 and beyond. Uh, lots of conversation, good conversation, you know, on online and social media and just with organizations that we've been talking to about, you know, how to plan for the future of work as we think about uh, the workforce, the workplace, uh, and really what's the significance going to be longer term in terms of productivity, performance, and all of these factors. So very excited about having an opportunity to chat with you guys and kind of get your thoughts on where you think things are going, and also the types of conversations that you're having with your uh, with your audience around similar um, similar topics. When we think about the role of the workplace and where technology enablement really sort of helps companies transition in that regard, we we've heard a lot lately about the whole idea of working from home, work from anywhere, flexibility. There seems to be a lot of terms out there uh, in that regard that really sort of I think it's causing a little bit of confusion. So, you know, when people speak about remote work, for example, you know, are they really talking about remote work? Are they talking about work from anywhere? You know, we've, we, we all know what's happening. Companies are thinking about uh, what their return to work strategy is going to be. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past about you know, the, the challenges that ha- many organizations have faced uh, in terms of determining you know, who can work flexibly, who can't, uh, and how those decisions are being made. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what does being flexible actually mean uh, to organizations? Because I think there's different definitions of, of, of that out there. And I think just getting your perspectives on, on what you're hearing uh, would be helpful. I mean, I think in general, there's a lot of discrepancy over these terms, like flexible working and remote and working from home. I think remote working as a term and as a practice has been on for a while. And so it really only became working from home in the hashtag WFH format with the rise of the pandemic when the term itself is popularized. I think what's more interesting to me now is this idea of what hybrid working even is and how do you produce hybrid working for your organizations? And what is the difference between a hybrid work format that reflects your organization versus some kind of mic hybrid that 
Google, for example, gets because Microsoft got it. And so other companies get it because Microsoft and Google got it. So that's really what I'm thinking about right now. And that's why I think this is an important conversation to have. Mm-hmm. You know, building on what Chris said, um, I think this word flexible can mean many different things. And I really think it's up to the organization to figure, to take the opportunity to really figure out what it means to them specifically, and then determine what that hybrid solution or co-locate or all these different terminology really means to the organization itself. So I think it's a real opportunity for business to really figure out how do they best move forward from this point of view, one from a business perspective, and two, one from a people perspective. And that should guide them on what flexible means. Do you think flexibility will always incorporate some level of working outside of the office? I'm just thinking about you know, projects that I've worked on in the past where flexibility was part of the language or the, the requirement, but it didn't necessarily mean that people were working from home or working from you know, different locations, like that's kind of what is being spoken about today, right? So it's more when you come into the office, so thinking about the old design of workplace where you had one-to-one dedicated spaces and you came in and you sat at your desk all day long and that's where you worked. Flexibility could also mean, you know, coming into the office, but then moving around in the office. So I'm just wondering, do either of you foresee flexibility being that going forward or do you do you see actual the division between in office and out of office as a part of a flexibility definition well to a point that chris made earlier this term remote has always been around right Mm -hmm. Um, and then as well this flexible arrangement has been around for many years so employees will enter into the organization an agreement around what this flexibility means they can come in later Maybe they have four day work weeks. It could even be hours of work. And then I would say over the last little while, last several years, we've seen um, progressive organizations really being flexible about their work environment. So meaning that you could work from, you know, like, like for example, hoteling. So perhaps the employee didn't have a designated workspace, but they could come in and hotel. And this is for many reasons, right? So flexibility, savings of costs, real estate costs, all sorts of reasons why perhaps this has become an emerging trend. But I think we're gonna see that even more so now mm-hmm. um, since we've hit the pandemic. And for many, and for, you know, we've seen so many issues arise from this. So I think companies are really going to embrace this flexible work environment and work arrangement and continue to embrace it. I would say that I see flexibility in a few different ways. I think on one hand, you have the flexibility regarding where and when you can work. And so that's what I think uh, Judy just touched on, but I think there's also the flexibility and the arrangements. And so once you go into the office, working your work within it, so again, like hoteling and hot desking, but I think there's also flexibility in the way that the offices are constructed and the way the designs are constructed. Can they be fit around and change depending on what a team might be using for that particular time period? And then also regarding the furniture, can the furniture or elements of the furniture be changed to fit someone's needs? or to fit um, what activities might be done. And so I think what 
this all speaks to to me is the uh, I think flexibility is going to be more pronounced. I think it's I don't, it's not really a question of whether flexibility is going to suddenly exist. Again, I agree with Judy that flexibility along with remote working has been part of the discourse. And especially when I was looking for jobs in the UK, I'd see things like flex passes and flex days and flex mm -hmm. time. And so the ability to flex was, was there too. I think it's just a matter of the magnitude and how it's going to become more widespread for certain professions and certain companies. And so I think to an extent, it will be more widespread, but for whom and who is not is one of the questions that I have. And I think it goes along, I think, to the role that the workplace and the office will have. So for certain groups, maybe more knowledge workers, I think the office might become more of a service, might become more of a product that's designed over time in order to perhaps increase the productivity, but also make it so it's the uh, knowledge worker wants to go to the office. And so if you can, if the furniture is flexible, if the design's flexible, and if the scale, if the policies and the overall ability to work from one place to another, if that's flexible, and that means is you can create and constantly iterate an environment that's attractive to employees. And so it speaks to, to me, it speaks to Flexibility itself is part of this wider mm -hmm. concept, the office becoming more like a product or a service that's designed, but for specific populations right. and for specific people and organizations. Right. So so um, I read an article this morning where there's now another element that's kind of being layered on top of this, which is flexibility around hours, right? So mm -hmm. where before it was, you know, the whole asynchronous working your eight hours a day, but spreading that out. Now there's kind of this emerging conversation around, you know, what should the workday consist of? Should it be an eight-hour day? Should it be a five-hour day? Should it be a four-hour day, a 10-hour day over four days? Do you think flexibility should also incorporate flexible hours as well? Because the flexibility around the space is one thing in terms of where work gets done, but then how does that also play into the hours that people actually work? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question, right? So, you know, we we're also used to going to work from 8.30 to 4.30 or 9 to 5 or, and now I think we see companies beginning to think outside of the box. We're, we're going into something that's completely new. It just kind of widens the scope around the amount of disruption and change that would be required as we look to the future. It's not just about the place. It's not just about asynchronous working. It's really looking at everything that relates to to work right yeah so is there opportunity absolutely and i think as things continue to evolve and, and companies really start looking at how they need to get back to business and drive business continuity and sustainability maybe these conversations will actually arise um, out of this right so mm -hmm. Um, so when we think about, um, you know, just thinking more along the lines of flexibility, when, you know, a lot of companies right now are trying to figure out, you know, how do you decide, you know, who gets to work flexibly and who doesn't? And so you've got, you know, the sort of conversations around let people figure that out on their own, give them the autonomy to decide for themselves whether they can or can't work out of the office. And then you have on the other side, you know, organizations that are reviewing you know, jobs and kind of making the decision. So just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on on that in terms of who actually should be deciding who can be flexible and who can't and why. Yeah, this is an interesting one because it speaks to who actually has control 
I mean, is it the, if the company is employee centric, then wouldn't they give their employees the choice of how they want to work? But as soon as the company makes this uh, declaration that some people have the ability to work flexibly and some can't, then that immediately starts to pivot away from the company actually being employee centric. So I think it's, it's an interesting situation for companies to be in because it, it's so fraught with contradictions here. It, it speaks to who's included from it and who's excluded from it. And who do they, or one way to look at also, who would have the right to be able to decide where they can work flexibly and not when and where they work and how will employees decide that? I mean, I wonder if part of it's already happened through the distinction between essential workers and non-essential workers. I wonder if because some people have been viewed as being more essential for the for the I guess the maintenance of society than others, does that mean that um, they're going to have less freedom to work flexibly? And since that distinction has already been made, will companies just follow that? I don't really know. I think it's just an interesting topic to explore. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting is to your point, Chris, is that you know there there's the thing of if you want to be people centric, and we all know how we feel about <laughs> about that word. Um, it's you know really leaving it to the people to decide. But I think for me, the part that I find fascinating is you know where in the past we might have been looking at a job function, for example, as sort of a you know a determinant of whether a job could be done remotely or not. Is that really true given the fact that we've just all been pushed out of the office and have the, have had to figure out how to be able to work? And are there other factors that really sort of make that determination? Because I can think of, you know, a lot of examples of, <clears throat> excuse me, of being in the past when, uh, you know, companies would use that and people would sort of stomp their feet and say, well, I can do this job from home. Like just because my title is X doesn't mean that I don't have the discipline or the capability of working from home. And so I think it's, to me anyways, it seems like it's more of a personal choice. Just like somebody yeah. can say, hey, your job function, you can work from home, but then personally it's like, but I'm not disciplined enough to do that or I prefer not to work from home. And so how do you deal deal with it that way? Because it could go not only for the people that are being recommended to be working out of the office, but then those people also coming back saying, well, that's great, but I don't necessarily have an interest in working out of the office. I actually want to work in the office because that's my my preference. So how does that add to the whole complexity of figuring that all all out? Judy, you're on the on the HR side, so let's hear your, your thoughts. <laughs> well, you know, I got I, I do have a point of view on this. And you know, I think you said a really interesting word, um, effectiveness, right? So I really think right now it's a re it, this situation is providing opportunities to experiment with um, hybrid ways of working. And so when we look at returning to the office strategically, I think, you know, the business, as I said, I think there's two sides to this. There's the business side and there's a the people side to this. And we really have to start focusing on the activities best performed in person, right, mm -hmm. in this process. So because as we know, we have a lot of jobs, I'll say here in Canada, they say 60% are, you know, on-site jobs that cannot be done remotely because they're manufacturing jobs or maybe, you know, on-site retail jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But in this process, you know, we should be evaluating the overall effectiveness of when we see it done remotely, or maybe even in the fact of when the role can be a co-located a co work. 
kind of situation where perhaps they spend some time at home and some time in the office. Well, thank you very much to both of you. Really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a lot more to be said, to be discussed, and I look forward to uh, to future conversations with uh, with both of you. So thank you again for your time today.